Okay, <clears throat> this morning Mike, Mike shared from Acts 4 verse 31. And the first thing we want to notice there, because this goes into a lot of what I was receiving this morning. They were all in one place. And that simply means this, that they were all, when they gathered together, they gathered in the particular place that they occupied in Christ with Christ in them. And then in giving themselves to prayer, right? then the whole place, it says, was shaken. Now, so God will use dependence to bring us to a place where he can shake in us things that weren't made by him. And this is Hebrews 12, 24, 25 to 29, the end of the chapter. So that those things that can be shaken are the things that he doesn't make, that we make in our lives, can be, can be removed so that the things that can't be may remain. Now, those verses, if we look at it, and then our gods are consuming fire. You, you, we can see all through the scriptures, for instance, in Exodus 20 and verse 5, and Exodus 34 and verse 14, and Deuteronomy 4 and verse 24, that's what the Holy Spirit has Paul looking back to in terms of, really, we can glean from that as the church. What he's speaking to is they were Jews <clears throat> that were once in their Jewishness, functioning under the law, he, and then through Christ, they received him, <clears throat> but then they were going back. They were going back. Now, when the Bible, the Bible makes it clear that jealousy, that has to do with the fire of God's nature, the fire of his love. He's a jealous God and a consuming fire. So God brings us, he has to bring us. He has to bring us uh, when we come. And the only way we can come in a right way is with knowing we can't do a thing ourselves. And that's what prayer teaches. First thing it preaches. Again, it says in Acts 6, 4, you're going to, you know, others were going to raise up to serve the body in these different ways that they do it with these gifts of help and whatever their gifts are. <clears throat> but we, as those that God gives the word in and through us to others, we are going to give ourselves to prayer. And this speaks of, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, to study, to show yourself approved unto God. See, that's where it starts. But God, with the word, and he does this, especially when we come together. He does the shaking. When we come together. Many times we've given the illustration, and I say we because we, I have received it as much as everyone else has, that we are like stones. Now, we there's lively stones. Peter talks about it, and you can see where it's 1 Peter 2, 5 to 9, where he talks about that. We're lively stones that build up the house, that are settled on the foundation. The foundation is Christ himself in Matthew 16 and verse 18. But that's when he said to Peter, <clears throat> and he said, your name is, is Petros, small stone, and upon this massive rock, Christ himself, 1 Corinthians 10, 4, that rock, 
that rock in Exodus 33 and verse 21, in the type there, when that rock was struck, outflowed water. And, and so we come, and, and he has to bring us to the end of ourselves, and, and then we come, we come. Finally, we're free when he brings us to the end of ourselves. And that can take time and soak so many different areas. For instance, in 2 Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, something that's, that's held me strong. Now, obviously, us in Christ, we're positioned in Christ. And in 1 John 5, verse 18, nothing can touch uh, that fact that we're in Christ and our position. But this is where we get captured by the enemy and, and, and 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26. And when he captures our will and our experience, then he uses that our own will with what he does in it to cause us to oppose ourselves. Because we know in Romans 8.31 and Psalm 56 and verse 9, we know very clearly that God is for us. Now, prayer is the thing, and as I was reading it this morning and studying it, prayer is the thing that keeps us in a place where we do not forget God, period. The easiest thing for us to do is to forget him. When I forget myself, when I forget God, I go right back to myself. Everything about me is self. And we, we shared it the other day, <clears throat> and you can see the reality of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and Philippians 2 and verse 21. Uh, Esteem others better than yourself. Look not on your own thing, but on the things of others. They all seek their own and not the things that are, are of Christ. And that's obviously in the flesh. So <clears throat> God, in prayer, he brings us to this place. And that's what prayer, prayer teaches us constant dependence and brings us in every area. And the flesh fights this. I mean, in every single area to the place of total self-helplessness and self-hopelessness. And we can easily forget that because we forget God. We forget that our God has supplied all of our need. We forget that. And Philippians 4 and verse 19, then we make our plans and we sit down and I'm all for figuring things out and, and being uh, accountable with your bills and having a budget. But you can forget God in doing that in a heartbeat. My God will supply all your need. It's singular. Christ himself, according to his limitless, immeasurable Riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what the original really says about that. Then we find, and only there we find, that in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who makes me mighty. The might and power. That speaks of his power. We went into power the other day. I think it was Tuesday we went into all about what, what we have this power that uh, God gives us. That power in 1 Peter 1, 5, that we're kept by the power of God. That he has to create, he has to, and he draws us through a need. We can't meet ourselves constantly. And he brings us back to show us our proper position in Christ by doing so. 
So Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. And that's why in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now boy, that'll, that'll cause some plans, won't it? That'll bring into play some budgets and plans and all, won't it? Oh, it sure will. Oh, there's no question about it, right? But Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Well, geez, I don't think I can be obedient and do these things that I know I should do based upon what my plan is. <laughs> well, 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but, but, and that's a contrasting conjunction. Here's, here's the contrast and the conjunction separates. And so, <clears throat> but of power. Notice, of power. And when we come to the end of ourselves experientially, we experience the power of opposition of Christ being in us in the reality, in my experience, of me being in him. Otherwise, I forget him. I forget him. And the easiest thing to do is to forget God. And sometimes the hardest thing can be to get back in fellowship with him. Not that it's hard on his side, but there's a stronghold in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. And that's why we need to cast down these false reasonings. These false reasonings. Casting down these reasonings. And if they're not from God, they're not good. And if they're not good, they're evil. And boy, what a day we live in. Oh, of all the days in human history that we live in right now, we are seeing prophecy fulfilled. And oh God, we will the, the moment we forget him, we forget the light that dawns in us in 2 Peter 1 and verse 19 and in prophecy and what's being fulfilled and getting us ready to be raptured for Christ to come, ba come back and us with him. We forget that and we just live for ourselves. We just completely live for ourselves. And God forbid, but prayer teaches us that. You see, the place was shaken. Do you know what that means in Acts 4 and verse 31? It means that those people themselves were brought to a place where God could shake in them those things. Are you surprised when the word shakes you, when the messages come and they shake you? Should I be? Should we be? No, because our God is a consuming fire. He, he, he wants all of that dealt with. And of course, that that isn't, when we get to the Bema seat, we'll see in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15, and 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, and Romans 14, 10 through 12. We will see. Well, that will be consumed and burnt up. The fire and jealousy of his love. He is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. <clears throat> we mentioned it, I think Mike mentioned it in, in uh, one of the posts, that the effect of true ministry is to remove anything that, become, that comes between the soul, the individual, and God. Notice it says the whole place was shaken. Where do we think that God will shake first? We the church. I'll tell you. It's 1 Peter 4 and verse 17. Judgment, and that means chastisement, by the way, begins in the house of God. There's a tremendous shaking that goes on. First, and then when he gets us, and the shaking is to settle us on that foundation. Because what is a little stone without a foundation? 
We see that in Matthew, the seventh chapter, and you can look at verse 24 to 27. We can build our house on a solid rock, and when the winds come and beat against it, it won't. But if we build it on sand, and sand is is the human emotions given over to the wrong initiation and bad thoughts. And that's what 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 brings out. Very, very crystal clear brings it out. These reasonings. And so prayer teaches us that. It does. To bring us to a place where he can shake away, shake and separate. And this is a sanctifying process. In John 17, in verse 17, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. How do we suppose that happens? There has to be a loosening. So when we look at, when we look at those scriptures in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 24 to 29, it simply is, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is in Hebrews 10, verse 25, but to do it much more as we see the day approaching. Now, the day for us... The day for us in Christ is to meet him face to face in the clouds of the air at, at the, the Bema seat in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, whereby we comfort each other with those words. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, uh, brought out in Revelation 4 and verse 1, come up here and I'll show you things to come. And that's first and foremost to get us ready to our face-to-face meeting, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, our face-to-face meeting with Christ. But also that has to do with his second advent, him coming on the earth and to deal with it. So that's what prayer is teaching us this constantly. Luke 18, 1, men should always pray because what's the option? Turn coward. And that simply means we turn right back to ourselves. Everything is about me. Every little thing is about me. How I relate to God, how I relate to my, my, if it's a budget, how I relate to my schedule, my job, my circumstances, my situations, how I relate, all those things is according to self. When I forget God, instantly forget God. We have, all of us, and I say we, as in me and we, we have no idea how evil and desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9, Isaiah 1, 5, and 6, the whole head is sick. That's the whole experience outside of Christ. We go right back to that. You know why he destroyed the earth? Because the, the, the thoughts of men were only evil continually. The thoughts, purposes, and plans in Genesis 6, 5 and in Genesis 8 and verse 21. They're just complete. They're, they're all of that. And the flesh is so subtle. Genesis 3, 1. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. That flesh that's in us in Romans 8, 9 that we're not of is very deceitful and desperately wicked. We are, and it's in us, but are we of it? Are we of it? And of course we're not, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Obviously, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, because no one could, could call Christ a curse. And, and, and still, you could, never, you could never say that. So that's what prayer is teaching us. And, and we come, prayer 
If, if I have a great prayer life, it's going to bring me to the body of Christ to be taught. It's going to bring me there. But if I don't, boy, I, too many things are in the way. Way too many things. I am too busy. I can't stress it enough. Too many things become in the way. Well, you know, then that becomes a weight that will lead to sin when not given to Christ. That's Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Why do we come? Because we come with weights. And they need to be lifted off and separated. That's Hebrews 4.12. Reason why we have, the reason why we have Hebrews uh, 10 and verse 25 to come and, and forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We exhort you. So that just simply means you build each other up. Come to a place. And you know what? Why do we get shocked when the word is preached and we get shaken up? Should we be surprised by that? No, there it is in the Bible. But prayer teaches us that. We have, look, we have no idea how deceitful and desperately wicked the flesh that's in us that we're not of. Thank, we're in Christ. And there's a constant separating, sanctifying process. So Hebrews 4.12 is, is, the, is what Jesus' prayer was in John 17.17. 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. That's separating a wrong, evil, or bad experience from the reality of who is positioned in us and who we are in him. And that's Hebrews 4.12. The word of the Lord is living and powerful. And look out, it is sharper. Ooh, it cuts. And boy, the flesh in us does not want to be cut. We don't, it does not want to be separated. No wonder the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said, I labor in birth, I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. That's experience for a believer who's positioned in Christ but doesn't have yet a full experience or a mature experience. And so everything else from the enemy gets in the way. And then, the, then we have these weights. Lay aside every weight. Because if we don't, where do we lay it aside? Where do we get the, the teaching and the information on how to do that in my private life? What brings out the reality of, of Ephesians chapters 1 through 3? The fourth chapter, the fourth chapter, coming together as one. Notice it was one. Notice where the oneness, the church even began. They were all in what? One place. And what that means is they were all in their place. Boy, that speaks of incredible humility. I don't function in my proper place without, without humility. I just don't. And without humility, there's no grace. And without grace, there's no adjustment. And, he, and again, we see this in James 4, 6 through 10. We see it in 1 Peter uh, 5, 5, 1 Peter 5, 5. You younger, submit yourself to the elder. Clothe yourself with humility. Now humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. In his due time, Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for God? No, but it will return unto you at God's set time. And then you will experience life. You'll, you'll have new life born in you. But he had to bring Abraham and Sarah to a place of absolute self-helplessness, to a place where they would absolutely just say, God, I can't do anything without you. 
He had to bring him to that place. He has to bring us to that place constantly. That's what prayer, prayer in the home, prayer is in preparation for me to be prepared and disciplined to come. And then I rightly hear when the word comes in and shakes. Humility. Prayer is teaching dependence and humility. Because then when I come to hear the word of God, even if it's, even if it's not dealing with sin in me in a particular area, it's still protecting me and teaching me for the near future at all times. So I can always, why? Because in Psalm 119, 165, I have, I have great peace have they that love your law. Law, there's the teaching, you know, for the Hebrews and for, for the Jews there. That was, the, that was the Pentateuch, the Torah and so forth. That's what that was. Great peace have you. You have great peace. You that love the teaching. Okay, so, so if it's not dealing with you, and the proof that it wouldn't be dealing with us, there wouldn't be any irritation or resistance or reaction. We would just be receiving it in humility. And it would just be preparation. That's what it would be for any of us. You know, you look at it. So I was reading uh, Jeremiah those first three chapters, even this morning, and then much, many, many, many other scriptures. How they just constantly forgot God. You can see that in Isaiah, the first chapter. The Jews, for us to look back, they, they, God would bless them, then they would constantly forget God. Lay aside every weight. Something troubling you? Well, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, come unto me, you that are heavy, are you that labor, and that can mean my own sins and my own failures, and are heavy laden. And that's other things, circumstances, situations, people, all these different things happening in my life. God uses every bit of it. Even what the enemy means for evil. In Genesis 50 verse 20, God means for good. So when I come... When I come, and remember what the word humility is. It's not thinking too highly of myself. This is the flesh. Or too lowly of myself. You see, that's not a proper Christian experience. I'm either thinking too highly of myself. Well, who are they to tell me? Who are they? Don't they know? And, and then thinking too lowly of myself. You see. And that can go into Revelations 12, 9. If he can't deceive me, then in 12, 10, he'll accuse me. Thinking too highly of myself, too lowly of myself. Humility is not thinking of myself at all. I'm not thinking of... There's no self-life in a proper experience in who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me. Just, just the way that it is. And so that's what it means. We give ourselves. That's why the place was shaken. Where do we think the shaking first starts? It's going to happen in Israel. See that in Jeremiah 9 and verse 25. See it crystal clear. It's going to happen. Second Advent. When he comes back, you want to talk about some shaking. And boy, has his people been shaken. As much as they want to deny that, the Jews, as much as they want to deny it, in their unbelievable resistance and deceitfulness. And we all can function in that as Christians through the flesh. But just the denying Christ, it still goes on today. 
You know, everything we see in Israel, we make a big deal out of it. Under the Harry S. Truman administration on May, May 17th, in, in uh, 1948, Israel put the flag. They became a state in Israel. Do you think that was of God? It's not of God. God allowed it, but will it last? Will it last? And it won't. Not till Christ comes back to establish his kingdom in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. His kingdom will fill the whole earth. <clears throat> but not until he comes back and we come back with him. In Revelations 19, 11 to 16, we come right back with him. In Jude, the 10th and 11th chapter, we come back with him. And he deals with that. He deals with his people and then he, he deals with all their enemies. And that's what he does with us. We come, all the enemies of a proper experience, they come against us. They come against us. I mean, so it wouldn't matter, would it, listen, if I had great peace, could anything, the Bible says, could anything cause me to stumble or be offended? Because that's what the word means. The word preached, if it offended me, then why did it? Because it touched an area where I did not have great peace in my experience. And maybe I was ignorant about it. Maybe I didn't know it. Maybe I thought I did. Maybe I wasn't even aware of it. And then the word comes out. But you know what prepares us? And I'm telling you, you know, you know what prepares us? Is prayer. God humbling us and bringing us to the end of looking for, for a help in self and help in, and, and, and help and deliverance, and then looking at others. That's why, honestly, that's why it's good for our children to be on their own. It's very good, especially when they're of an older age. It's very good that they be on their own. Literally, very, very good. Very, very, very good. Yes, because we might not be there, but God will always be there. Oh, yes, he will. He most certainly will. He'll be there. And I don't doubt that for one single second. I don't doubt it for a second. Not for a single second. We may leave our place, but God will deal with us until he puts us back in the place where he called us. And that's a fact. I want to make that crystal clear. That's just, I don't doubt that for one single second. No, nope, I don't have a single doubt about a single person. I'm talking about even in my life, I don't doubt it one single bit. Do not doubt it. Too many scriptures. Too many scriptures. Because when I leave my place, listen, I don't care. Look, I give place to the devil in Ephesians 4 and verse 27. What caused that? Because I, be, I was angry. I heard the word and it began to pierce me. It began to pierce me. Well, of course it's going to. Of course the word pierces me. How else is God going to separate that and bring in a proper experience? The word is pierced. It pierced us. You see that in Acts the ninth chapter, 1 through 6. You constantly kick against the ox goat, the preaching and teaching of the word. You know the ox goat had a point. It was a long pole. There was a curve on it, and there was a point. And the curve 
if the animal kept going not into the pen where it was being directed by the shepherd, he would hook it and cause it to fall. Then other times it just takes a little piercing. You know, it takes some people an unbelievable fall when they, they just submitted to the piercing and the prodding of the word. They would go in a right path. You know, a path that's lit up and gets brighter and brighter in Proverbs 4 and verse 18 until we see him face to face. You know, I don't know about you, and, and, uh, but I look at things now, it's completely outright. Folks, listen to me. Listen, listen. The light is dawning in us and it's keeping us safe. But we are watching prophecy fulfilled right before our very eyes. That's God telling us. We have a more certain word of prophecy. What is that? That that light that's been dawning in our souls is going to, is, is going to be Christ calling us in the rapture. Russia, China, United Arab Emirates, all of them are all one right now. This is all prophecy in the word of God. But let me take a little time off because I get a little offended by the word that pierced me. Well, thank God. Thank God. I am telling you in my own little life here, I sit here in the morning and on, I'm going to tell you, the word comes in and it pierces areas in me. It does. And I'm glad now. I am at the point now where I'm glad. Subtle little areas. Subtle resistance. Subtle, subtle blame game. Subtle every little thing. Because he's preparing us to be with him. He's preparing us. The height of that light face to face in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 is Revelation 2, 2 and verse 17. We're going to feast on that hidden manna. What's that? That's the word that came down that we received. You see the type in Exodus, the 16th chapter. The manna came down. That manna in John 6, a 30 to 58 is Christ himself. That manna that from the word that comes down. So what if the word that's being preached... And, and, and maybe I think it's directed at what? Would that be a right response? Hey, that's directed at me. And like, hey, hey. No, that's not a right response for any of us. Is that a right experience? Is that great peace? It's not. It's trying to remove the, th the thing, the distance, and the thing that comes between the great peace for all of us. And nothing will cause you to stumble. Well, I didn't come because I didn't like this and I didn't like that and I don't want that. I didn't like... Oh, gosh. Get with godly... <laughs> Do yourself a favor and get with godly men and women. And if you can't have fellowship, I don't care, even Christians, even loved ones, if you can't have fellowship with them, then what are you doing? If they're not in a place to have an exchange of Christ, tell me, what are they doing? What are you doing with them? Shouldn't you rather pray and be separate to protect yourself and your family? Absolutely. Absolutely you should. Because this is the local, this is, honestly, this local assembly, it is. just is. It truly and truly is. So, with everything that's going on today, I mean it is outright, folks. Outright. It's been behind the scenes for years. Right? And then it's just going to pop up. 
But if you if you haven't been prepared, oh Lord, come on. The accusations China's put out. I dare you. We're, we're going after Taiwan. We dare you, United States, to interfere. We're with Russia. And we're with all those countries that produce oil. And now even France has gone with us, who was an ally of the United States. Now they're going. Where are they headed? They're headed to the ones that are having all the power right now. China. Russia. Oh boy. This prophecy. And God, does he, is he using that? Listen, listen. Is he using that? the prophecy, to bring us to a more certain light that we have in Christ. It's bringing us back and waking us up. If we, come on. Jeez, it's not the same. It is not the same. It just isn't. I can't say it enough. I felt God pressing it on me. And at first I'm like, well, who am I, God, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I struggle, I have things, you know, and all. Pressing upon me, pressing upon me, the reality of what's going on. Pressing this prophecy upon me again of really what's going on and what's been behind the scenes. I have a ton by His grace and, and what other men have labored and so forth. I take no credit for it. It's from God and the men that I gleaned it from. They don't take credit for themselves. And if they do, I just take it and separate them from it anyway. But I have a lot of information in, on prophecy and what, what China and Russia has been doing for decades. Decades. And boy, we as Christians, we, we do have a more certain word of prophecy. We have a more sure word. Do we? Are we living in this world like it's everything's the same one day to the next? No, it no. No, our lives are not here. We are not an earthly people. The church is Christ's heavenly people. God, the Father's earthly people, are the Jews. And then we come back in Revelation the 19th chapter, and in the 20th chapter, he sets up his kingdom. You know, that was a promise given a long time ago. In, in, in Genesis 49, in verse 10, Shiloh is going to come. And, and to him will all the gathering of the people be. We think the people in Israel right now are gathered to him? The overwhelming majority? Absolutely not. How about us as Christians? God, we get... You know, we get offended by the smallest little, silliest little things that you could even imagine. It's so crazy. You know why? Because we're spoiled. We're so spoiled. But you know, I, I know one thing for myself. Uh, you know, uh, I believe it's John 9, uh, 35 and in around there. I, I could be wrong on that one. I've been wrong once or twice in my life. Where the fruit, he said, huh, the, the harvest is white, all ready to har harvest. What's that? White. It's on the vine, rotting. People, their lives, it's on the vine. But yet, I will get offended by a little thing. Send me a, a, a word and send me into a little tizzy. <laughs> Forget all about the, the, the people, their lives. Forget all about prophecy. Oh, why? Because I forgot Christ. 
Read Jeremiah 2 and 3. Read Isaiah, the first chapter, and all through it constantly. Oh, they constantly forgot him. They just did. And there's areas in my life where I forget him. Those are the areas where, where the shaking goes on. And don't we see it with prophecy how he's using that to shake us into a right experience based upon our position? Don't we see that? That's what he's doing, folks. Yeah, but you know what? If I forget him, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. We will live as Christians, but we'll live in this earth. It's going to be the same. Job's going to be the same. You know, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. Read James, the fourth chapter, all the way down to the 14th and 15th verse. Read it. Watch the flow of it. <laughs> sure. You know, the guy that had the bigger barn, had the barns that were full in the Gospel of Luke, and he was going to tear them down because the next day he was going to fill them up. But his soul was required of him that night. And Jesus in the parable said, You fool. And who's a fool? Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. One whose counsel is all about himself because he forgot God. Can a, can a Christian live that way? <laughs> you wouldn't believe the plans. I don't like God's place. I don't like his plan. I don't like his plan. I don't like his place. I got to change it. Got to change it. Got to change it. Nope. God has us in specific places because he wants to, us to grow up and depend upon him. And sometimes he's got to break families up to do it. You had best believe it. He does. That's Hebrews 4 and verse 15. But speak the truth in love may grow up in him and then you become a joint. You don't, You start living for every Christian. You start living for the whole body, not just a few. What is that? Where's that in the Bible? Where's that in the Bible? It's not. It's not in the Bible. It's local assembly. That's your true family. And if they happen to be your natural family, you know, that were, born, that were received Christ and born again. There's another term that the hyper-dispensationalist doesn't believe in, by the way. We're not born again. I don't know what we are then. <laughs> There's so much crap teaching that'll get us so distracted. And all, if it's, if it's bad teaching and crap teaching, what's it going to do? It's going to be a weight that will lead me to sin. But look away. Gosh, boy, I wish men could get this. Prepare, listen, listen, I'm all for things, doing sports things and things for your kids. Prepare them for eternity. Make that the focus. Is that the focus enough? Is it? Jeez. Missing and missing times of the word as an initiator because other things get in the way. I'm, to me, I just, don't we realize the time that we're in? Don't, and I say we, and I mean me too. I I'm in this place with you. Don't we realize how close we are? It's closer than we ever thought. The enemy, remember, the greatest lie that he has is you got more time to do what you know you should do. Well, we had best read John 12, 35 and 36. Walk while you have the light. Yes. Yes. And if our hearts are right, God can redeem the time. Boy, he's doing that in my life, I'll tell you. A lot of wasted years. And, and take it from someone that's been around a little bit longer than most. 
Not all, right, Barbara? But some. <laughs> she's, got a, she's got about eight years on me. But some. Take it from someone who's failed. Take it from someone who knows, oh, God. Boy, don't, don't know yourself after your sin. Boy, the enemy wants that. After your failures, he'll do everything and anything to bring that in your life so that you constantly have to deal with that and not have beautiful intimacy with our precious Savior. And this is prayer. The whole place was shaken because God was doing a great work in each individual that was there. And he was doing a separating, sanctifying, beautiful uh, experience, a beautiful work, you know, and it's God that does it. It's God that does it. He'll bring the preaching and teaching of his word through vessels, but guarantee it, it's God that does it. It is God himself that does it. No one else does. Because what God does is based upon his desire and his desire alone. His desire alone. That's a fact too, by the way, for all of us. And so... I love that verse in Acts 4.31. I love it in Acts 6 verse 4. I love those verses because it's teaching us to build on a proper foundation in Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 to 27. It's what Jesus was teaching Peter as he's teaching us with those same scriptures in Matthew 16 and verse 18. Upon this rock, Christ was saying, myself, this massive ledge, I will build my church. He wasn't building it through Peter. Peter was not the first pope. I'm going to make that crystal clear. Never. Never. That's the truth. That's the truth. And sometimes we have to be offended first so that the truth can penetrate. And there's the piercing. And that's what we don't like in the flesh. Well, I don't like that. After all, I did all these things and then I got to hear this. Well, how are you hearing it? You hear in the word in humility? Every word of God, it says in Proverbs 30, verse 5, is pure. And to the pure in Titus 1, verse 15, all things are pure. But when I function in a defiled conscience through a bad experience and not the conscience, a, a, a cleansed conscience, which is my position, but isn't my experience in Hebrews 10, 1 and 2. It's a big difference. And he's doing that in all of us. But folks, he is getting us ready. We please, please, with me, with me, let's open our eyes because it's broadcast. Never before out like this, Russia, China, and all those Arab nations that have the oil. You just think they, yeah, in China after Taiwan, they want to take over. You want to take over. You look at, and we can call it politics and policies. Look what's going on in those that are in government in our country right now. Look at it. That's, that's prophecy. The, this kind of, boy, no wonder the church is the pivoting force. Because once the church, there's some that well, don't believe in the rapture too, by the way, in that nonsense babble 
ridiculousness that the church has to go through the tribulation. And some say, well, I always thought all along that there wasn't a rapture. It never sat right with me. Yeah, I know, because you're listening to Hebrew scholars, and it's all Jewishness, nothing to do with the church. Well, of course you believe that. Foolish nonsense, because you're proud as a peacock, and you don't want others teaching you. You're going to do it yourself. Well, good luck. And there is that. Good luck. Luck. Derivative of Lucifer. Have a ball. It's ridiculous. Church does not go through the tribulation period. Read your Greek Bible. Revelations 3.10. It's not dia, D-I-A. It's ek. Out. Not through. Dia. Not. All this false teaching and all that. What is it? What is it? It's a weight. And what does the weight become? A distraction. Let me find out. But that's why it's so important to know this foundational truth in the, in the epistle of Ephesians and Colossians. And we constantly bring these out. God does through us with posts and messages, hundreds and hundreds of them. And in booklets, the few that we've written and a few more. And that's another thing. I know, I know men that used to show up here. They don't show up anymore. I don't get that. They used to show up. All of a sudden, they just don't know. Why? I'll tell you why. Because they think they have enough. Okay. They think they have enough. I don't know. Can you have enough? I can't have enough of this with you folks and your, your portions. There were men that used to come, seriously, and don't do it anymore. Why? Look, and I am all for family and things and business going good and family and all that, but you better focus on Christ first so that you focus on the family second right. You focus on him first. You seek first in principle the kingdom of God in, in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Then all these other things will be added unto you. You don't flip it. You don't flip it. Well, my kid had this thing. I couldn't show up. Oh, my God Almighty. Oh, Lord. What were you doing? What were you doing? God. Yes. Yes, there's those times to do those things, and it's important, and only God knows that. I'm preaching principles, period, period. But only God knows that. But what is the time that we're living in? If the time was short, shortened, in 1 Corinthians 7, 29, in Paul's day, do you know when he wrote in the first epistle that, that Christ gave him to write through the power of the Holy Spirit moving him with every single word, so it's not Pauline doctrine, it's the doctrine of Christ through him, yes, as our apostle, yes, but Christ, yes. When he wrote the first epistle of Thessalonians, and when he wrote 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, you read it in the context, and you read it, and you understand in the Greek, he really believed that Christ was coming back in his day. Well, he finally found that out, obviously. By the time he was through Corinthians, and then he was in prison, and chained, he knew, you know, especially in 1 Timothy uh, 1, and, and 2 Timothy uh, First Timothy and Second Timothy, he knew his time was up and Nero's axe was going to fall on his neck, definitely. But he really thought that. The time is short. Things aren't wrong, but we need to know if they're from God and for those that we have with us 
and bring to places with us. We need to know that. Is there God's purpose in it? Is it? Time is short in 1 Corinthians 7.29. Redeem the time. Because the days are evil. That was Paul's day, Ephesians 5 and 16. The days are infectious evil. And infectious evil against God's divine will. Who's that? Against Christ. Listen, against Christ and you. Against Christ and those that hear you. Against Christ and your family. We need to know. Boy, we need to know. I need to know. Boy, boy. Like never before. Like never before. Yes, prayer has never been more important. No, prayer has never, never been more, more important. The more the word that he gives me and the older I get, the more it makes me dependent. And then we enter into his presence as we close this morning. We enter into his presence where we fellowship in Revelations 2 and verse 17 and we never come to the end of that intimate personal love that will pass knowledge. It'll accumulate but continue to keep going forward in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. We're not of this earth. Boy, boy, he's been teaching me that one. Boy, dealing with me specific areas in my life without any question about it because he's preparing us as his church for a face-to-face meeting that can't be too much longer. I mean, it just can't. Oh, look what's out in our country. Please look at Please look. In what we call politics, those that are in power, look. Those that, that, even in their ignorance and not knowing God very much, that want to do right, and they call it for America and all that, but God, but still, there's some form of morals which have to do with some form of spirituality, and they're against it. They go against them. They go against these people. This is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against... What, when are we going to... How about as Christians we get this one right? We wrestle not against blood and flesh. Ephesians 6, 12. But against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness, this is age, spiritual wickedness, and the heights. That's what it is. When are we going to get that one right? Well, I'm going to use the offense to, so I can live in, in the lust of my flesh because I, I like the darkness and lust of the flesh more than the light. So I'll use that as an, as an excuse. Really. Really. Truly. You know, sometimes we need to allow, we really need to, not only for, for their sakes, but ours, to cut ourselves off from certain ones that are living in sin, known sin and not God's will. We need to cut ourselves off from it. Let them, let them know. Because God will use that. Because otherwise, even when we t- say things, even when we say things and they're in our presence and we're allowing that to go on. We just are. When's that one going to get right? <sighs> I, I, I don't understand that. I don't, you know, a lot I don't understand, but I'm growing with you. <laughs> and we're all growing together. God is for us. He's for us in the greatest light that his son is in us. And we have a more certain word of prophecy. But I've got to tell you, I've never been more exercised about it. Now, what I mean by that is, and this is how he does it with me, the light dawning in and piercing me 
in my experience, piercing me, and I'm, and I'm thankful for it. Where in areas I didn't like it in the flesh. Well, guess what? <laughs> Boy, I'm liking it. With you, O oh God, is the fountain of life. And in your light, we will see light. And we need light passing through this dark, evil world so that we don't settle down in any area and we don't allow our families to do it either by making more of things on this earth than their own intimate relationship with Christ. You know, Paul taught every day. Did you know that? And I'm, so, I'm sure we can't at times. And I understand that. But he taught every single day from morning till dark at night. You'll see that in Acts, the 20th chapter. He did. We need the light. Psalm 36, 9. Christ is the light. John 8, 12. We need the light to light up our path in Proverbs 4 and verse 18 so that we can walk in him who, who walked is our example in 1 Peter 2, 21. We need to walk and he that says he abides in him, well, really? Are we abiding? Am I as Ed? Am I abiding in him? Okay, then your walk will reveal it in 1 John 2 and verse 6. Yeah. There's, there's a great and effectual door open unto us. And there are many adversaries. He wants to shut us up. Do everything he can to shut us up. Every deception, every accusation, every failure, every sin. And, and believe me, God will deal with those things in us. Aren't you glad when he does? So that his love can flow in and through us. I am. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Well, Father, we just thank you this morning for your, for your precious word. Thank you for your precious counsel. And I, I pray for myself first and I pray for others that we would function in the great peace that Christ is in us. In Psalm 119, 165, so that we don't live in the offense of the flesh, living constantly offended about this thing, that thing, when Christ himself, in Ephesians 2 and verse 14, is at peace. When I don't function in my proper place, the love and peace of God doesn't flow in me, and then my joy becomes something other than the joy that is of the Father in Romans 5, verse 11, and 1 Corinthians 15, 7 and 10. It becomes that. And then it just stirs up. And he speaks peace in Isaiah 57, 19. Peace, peace to them that is near. That's us in Christ. That was what he was trying to speak to Israel. Much closer and intimate do we as the church have. Peace, peace to him that is near. And, and the same, peace, peace to him that is afar off. Boy, when we don't have it, we're like the troubled sea and it casts up all the mud and mire of the flesh. It does. And there is no peace, it says, to my God, to the wicked. And who is the wicked? It's an unbeliever. And that can be an unsafe person or that can be a, a Christian not functioning in their proper position. Their experience is they live in unbelief. Father, deliver us from that. Deliver us into the sunshine of your love and raise us up, Father, please. Please raise us up as men. Men lifting up holy hands. Listen, and this is those that receive the word. When you receive it right, you lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And it's men there, men, males, in 1 Timothy 
And I do thank God, and I will say this, I thank God for all the godly women that pray and pray for me without and have incredible prayer lives. Just thank you for them. Thank you for each member here. And I just pray that we would all experience who Christ is in us. In Jesus' name, amen.